0: Hello, my name is Leszek Jażdżewski. Welcome to the Liberal Europe podcast, a European Liberal Forum project. I hope you'll enjoy our program. Hello and welcome to Liberal Europe podcast. My name is Leszek Jażdżewski. My guest today is Fabrizio Tassinari, who is the executive director and Berggruen fellow at the EUI School of Transnational Governance. And he's the author, among the others, the pursuit of governance, Nordic dispatches, on A New Middle Way. Uh, Fabrizio, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Leszek. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Fabrizio, among others, have, has a quality of being an Italian, Italian based in Florence uh, at the EUI, um, but spent many years abroad and it's, it's, uh, you're an expert on uh, political science, well, beyond Italy. but. Having this perspective, I wanted to ask you about the SNAP elections that were called recently. Yeah. Um, the, the results will be on the September 25, well, 26 maybe, the day after. Well, mm. let me start, I think, for many people from the outside. Uh, well, Italy had this period of stabilization with the drug government, I think one of the most yeah. popular in the recent memory. So why this government had to resign uh, before its term was over?
1: Yeah, I mean, the uh, the uh, genesis of that government is rather unusual, I would say, by European standards, although unfortunately rather typical, I would say, uh, in Italy, at least in the past uh, two decades. And the genesis is that oftentimes when politics, political parties in parliament are unable to uh, form a, a government, and especially during a time of acute crisis, as it was the case with, with the COVID pandemic, and of course ever since then uh, also the Ukraine crisis, then Italy, Italian institutions resort to technocrats. Uh, this was the case with, uh, in the 90s, Carlo Azelio Ciampi, who then went on to become president, and more recently, Mario Monti. And of course, the Popularity of these uh, governments often stems from the fact that these are national unity governments. Uh, all parties support them uh, uh, more or less grudgingly, but with the understanding that they have an expiration date that is usually in the short, in the short term. In Draghi's case, it should have been naturally in the spring of 23, uh, which would have still been a rather A good stretch of two years, uh, especially considering the winter that Italy and Europe are going to to face with uh, inflation and energy shortages, perhaps. Uh, But uh, um, some of the parties uh, supporting the government decided to pull the plug earlier. And, and this is, you know, entirely for domestic uh, cal- policy calculation rather than any any other reason. And so, and so here we are. Bottom line: it's not so much about the popularity of the government as much as domestic calculation and political dynamics.
0: Well, I, I must say this still considering uh, that five star movement is not the most popular party right now. Their decision to withdraw the supports uh, for the yeah. government is. Hard to understand, but uh, perhaps leave it. We should leave it there. And um, it seems that the right-wing coalition led by Fratelli D'Italia uh, will prevail in those elections. No. Can you give us a, a glance and how? Uh, because there are, there are a lot of myths, but also well, very hard opinions about this party. Yeah. The anti-European, anti-immigrant stance. So, what what kind of party are Fratelli D'Italia?
1: Yeah. So the uh, the party's record uh, in parliament as well as Uh, in the european parliament if you like is quite clear on a number of themes which is uh, indeed rather firm on issues such as immigration um, and and more generally you know every issue pertaining with european integration and i will you know give you some examples are looked at with a very critical eye and with an an eye of repatriating Power competences uh, to, to Rome and to the national capital. It should be said, and this really should not be underestimated, that this party went from about 5% of support uh, in the last uh, two years to an estimated 25 if not higher, uh, 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 if judging by the polls. Uh, at the election on the 25th. So this, this growth, first of all, is staggering, and you know, uh, uh, it is in the same spirit and vein, perhaps, of the growth of the five stars five years ago, or Salvini's Lega two years ago, which is mostly a protest vote, but it also required uh, the party, Fratelli d'Italia, and particularly uh, their leader, Giorgia Meloni, to somehow, uh, you know, smoothen the edges uh, of some of their more extreme positions. So to give you a concrete example, um, Italy is is the highest, the top beneficiary of next generation EU uh, uh, in in view of how much uh, the country was um, affected by by the first wave of the pandemic. It will receive in total over 200 billion euros in grants and loans. And Meloni initially said we need to renegotiate uh, the the deal, which is, of course, you know, at the face of it, rather ironic, considering that we are getting the Italy is getting already the biggest share. So yeah, the idea, that's right. So, so <laughs> the, the, the idea was to to re, to renegotiate the priorities, but as we get closer to the date and to the possibility that she will be indeed prime minister, she is now saying, well, you know, we should uh, we should switch the edges of some of the agreements, but overall the plan is going to stay the same. So my guess is that she will need to mellow. Uh, once in power, as it often happens, but you know the myth in terms of their uh, uh, positions on 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 immigration and 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 even you know some of issues on 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 gender rights, uh, for example, are uh, you know confirmed by the reality as well as it is her backyard and her heritage uh, of the party in in the in the post-fascist movement.
0: Yeah, can you can you tell us more about this? Is it like calling this party kind of post-fascist does it really make sense? Is it like any truth to that or do you think this this is so long gone in the history that it's 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 actually irrelevant? Is there any
1: real connection well yeah,
0: with the fascist
1: well, so so here's the here's the facts, and then I leave you and your re, and your um, listeners to, to to make up your mind. Certainly, this is in in sort of lines of of descent of 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 you know uh, heritage, the direct descendant of of the fascist party, which then became after the war Movimento Social, and then became Alleanza Nazionale. So, the fact that there is now Uh, a flame with the italian flag in the symbol is a direct reference to some of those ancestors Uh, so let's let's that is sort of the factual uh, fact. The other uh, fact that is less easy to pinpoint is that there is a vast landscape in Italy of neo-fascist movements which are not formally part of the party but that are clearly uh, within that same ecosystem. And some of these movements are extremist. They are uh, neo-fascist by their own admission. And the key issue here is that Meloni herself, by her own, uh, let's say, political upbringing, comes from that environment, uh, which in the 70s and the 80s was implicated in some very murky episodes at the crossroad between uh, insurrection, terrorism, and and political uh, uh, protest. And, you know, now, again, because uh, power seems to be approaching, she has... Uh, quite explicitly, and in fact uh, done so in a couple of languages, just to make the point clear, she has uh, uh, renegated the the, the fascist past. Uh, She she sort of said, you know, uh, the the anti-Semitic laws of Mussolini from 1938 were a very bad thing, and uh, and uh, Mussolini's regime is not uh, something we look at with uh, nostalgia, but, and this is a big but in my view, There is the whole ecosystem, which is not from 60 years ago. This is today. And this is an ecosystem that still thrives in the football stadiums where, you know, hooligans are uh, directly connected with uh, far-right movements, as well as in some provinces, not least Rome. So the extent to which this is not real or not is not so much in the numbers, but, but perhaps there is a reality that is not very well understood.
0: I wanted to ask you a little bit more uh, about the, the campaign, the issues of the campaign, because it seems to be, oh, at least to some extent, detached from the harsh realities of, well, energy crisis that Italy, among many other countries, will face due to the limitations of the access to the Russian gas. It's Can you can you bring us more, like, what are the political leaders talking about and what are the public, what do public care about? And is it aligned at all? And uh, yeah, how how, how this yeah. campaign works?
1: So on the energy issue uh, specifically, um, this is one area where the Draghi government, uh, to put it very bluntly, has done has done wonders. Uh, I mean, uh, Draghi uh, uh, has been uh, adamant and relentless in. In, 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 in energy diversification, um, he has traveled uh, in North Africa as well as in sub-Saharan Africa to secure alternative routes of gas. And, and to the point that before the Ukraine aggression, uh, Italy's imports of gas amounted to about f- of Russian gas, sorry, Russian gas amounted to about 40% uh, of the total and and now it's it's approximately 10 to 15%. So there is a really I mean it's it's astonishing to think that you could do this in 6 months and it wasn't done in the previous two decades two decades right. but that's another story that's another story. Hmm. At the moment the, the the key issues in the campaign are one regas uh, regasification uh, sites which is essentially where lng uh, lng will be able to come And, you know, there is some protests at the local level, but this is certainly uh, something that all parties seem to agree with. And then there is the eternal issue about nuclear power, which is, you know, a sensitive topic in many other countries and not least in Italy, which voted twice in referendums against nuclear power. And still now, I think there is. Uh, you know, even after the invasion of Ukraine, there is a 50-50 chance that if there was a referendum today, uh, uh, it would go uh, in favor of the no. But clearly, the fact that many of Italy's own neighbors are uh, somehow reconsidering or or even uh, accelerating uh, investing in nuclear power, that is something that at least, is a matter of debate. There is disagreement, especially, of course, on the left, uh, about supporting it. But uh, it is on the table again.
0: I mm, I wanted to uh, I wanted to ask you whether mm, there is any chance that uh, the Fratelli d'Italia wants uh, win those elections? Because at the same time, it seems that because of the fragmentation uh, and due to the well, the Italian. Voting system with one third of the seats allocated due to the first past the post. Yeah. The the let's say the left or center left is much more fragmented than the center right, which made the coalition on those seats. Is yeah. there any chance that that would change? It's perhaps too late for for any realignment. But do, is there yeah. like any doubt about uh, the final result and and the, the ruling coalition? Do you expect any yeah. surprises after the elections?
1: Well, look, I stand to be corrected because, you know, sometimes polls can go very, very wrong. Uh, but at the moment, the way it looks, uh, it seems, you know, it seems almost as if the left is campaigning uh, to to avoid that uh, uh, the center-right coalition will get two-thirds majority mm. in the parliament. I mean, that seems to be... That seems to be Letta's prime concern at the moment when she, when he campaigns, as well as maybe to be the first party uh, symbolically that will make a difference. But, you know, if you look at the polls now, it looks like the center-right coalition is approximately at 48% of the actual electoral vote, which might translate indeed in a majority in parliament because of that mechanism that you described into uh, over 60% uh, of the seats In parliament. And indeed, the critical issue there is that if you uh, pass the two thirds, then they will be able, as a majority, to pass constitutional reforms without a referendum. And uh, they have already indicated, and in fact, is one of the issues where all of them. Berlusconi and Salvini and Meloni seem to agree on is to change the Italian constitution into a, a presidential uh, republic which which you know uh, could uh, raise the question of whether uh, you know if anybody has has any concerns about an authoritarian turn uh, by these people then uh, Well, you know, to turn Italy into a presidential election is not exactly the most reassuring move. Let me put it that way.
0: Yeah, especially since they, I think, insist that President Mattarella will have to resign when the constitution will be changed. So he wouldn't have this uh, presidential new powers, right, if I understand correctly. Correct.
1: Uh, But I mean, at the moment, it's very far away in time, so it's difficult to, to imagine. And I mean, of course, there is a lot of speculation about whether any of the party leaders aspire to that position.
0: <laughs> yeah. Given the
1: given the egos, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised, but you know, it's <laughs> it's, it's very speculative at the moment.
0: Yeah, that would be a, a big change in the in the round of changing prime minister relatively uh, regularly, having a, a kind of semi-presidential system. If I understand, like kind of like French, perhaps yeah. uh, would be a, a huge uh, change in terms of political culture and political system. Uh, well, by the way, Italy recently went through the, some constitutional reforms limiting, among uh, limiting, um, the number of of seats in the parliament. Yeah. Uh, I suppose it also has a certain well uh, influence on the elections, perhaps uh, making life harder for the smaller parties. Is there any any like particular change due to these constitutional reforms uh, in those in this campaign or, or in the oh, outcome? Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the fact that the that the parliament itself will be two thirds, uh, sorry, one third, uh, approximately one third smaller in numbers means that, to put it very bluntly, uh, uh, individuals that have been in parliament for many years has simply they could not stand again for election because there were not seats anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so this was this was, of course, you know, expected. But the fact that the election came so suddenly. Uh, made the parties unprepared for that uh, for that uh, development so they had to scramble in the middle of the summer about who would somehow be secured the seat and who wouldn't and you know any observers from the outside would tell you it was not a pretty sight uh, in terms of you know jostling for position and, and the rest of it but for sure you know i would i would venture that in retrospect what this will do is to uh, perhaps make the parties a little bit more disciplined. Because before, uh, you would basically have a lot of mavericks that uh, that has been one of the biggest uh, dysfunctions of Italian parliaments is people that would essentially change party um, in the middle of the legislature. And I don't have the numbers with me, but we're talking about a very large fraction of them. I think you could say that with smaller numbers, Party leaders would probably want to make sure to have uh, uh, loyal loyal MPs uh, in in their midst, uh, rather than uh, people that they cannot count on. But you know, this is again speculation. Right. Well, that's
0: that is going to be interesting to watch, especially if this uh, constitutional threshold will be reached by the right-wing coalition. Indeed, I wanted to ask you. Um, I wanted to ask you about the well potential of prime minister. Uh, well perhaps 100% sure that she will be a prime minister georgia meloni because she she she's kind of career politician but yeah. to be honest until i think uh, until she, she recently i think very few people would expect her to become a prime minister she yeah. made a career in forza d'italia but she comes from quite i think not well kind of regular not privileged backgrounds yeah. Working, uh, I read as a nanny or in the nightclub as well. And mm-hmm. I, I'm wondering, to what to, to what do you subscribe? As I mean, it's it's also that Fratelli D'Italia was, as you mentioned before, relatively small, marginal party yes. for quite some time. Uh, is there because they were in the in the opposition to Draghi government, or is there un- other yeah. reasons uh, of shifts of the public opinion that uh, they become so prominent and, and yeah. many, such as strong leader uh, of in Italian politics.
1: Yes, <laughs> so I would say certainly the fact that Meloni has been, and her party have been in opposition for the past years has been an enormous bonus for them, uh, for obvious reasons. In fact, you were asking before about the wisdom of the Five Stars to pull the plug on the Gra- Draghi government. Well, if I can find one single reason, is precisely to break the pattern where they have been in power for five years uh, and they would show that they have done something different because, uh, you know, there has been, uh, you know, exactly the mirror image of, of uh, Meloni. As much as she has grown, they and and the five stars and the Liga have, has, have declined. So certainly being in opposition during COVID, during an, a, a time of really an unprecedented upheaval has been an enormous uh, bonus. The second factor, uh, I would say, is certainly that she and, and the party have been rather disciplined uh, in the messaging. I mean, they have been uh, refining their message. And I mean, your podcast is called Liberal Europe. So I'm by no means advocating that the message is correct but I or the diagnosis of the problems mm-hmm. are correct. But I am saying that they have been extremely effective. Uh, in communication this raises of course a big question about the you know what you said in your in your question i mean are they is she and are they capable of of governing um she's 45 years old as you say very little experience she was a youth minister in the first in the third if i remember correctly berlusconi government so you know if she becomes prime minister, I wouldn't know if it's 100%, but there is a very good chance. Uh, uh, sh- there, there are questions clearly being asked about her her suitability. What, one thing I can say, and this is a parallel that is very applicable, I think. When Berlusconi came to power uh, uh, first... Um, There was similar level of skepticism for other reasons, because actually Berlusconi had a lot of business experience and the rest of it. But there was a lot of skepticism. So what, what happens oftentimes in these cases is that the president of the republic will use his prerogative to veto or suggest specific ministers in key posts, foreign ministry, finance ministry even interior ministry, where, you know, you can have, I would say, not only presentable faces, but also uh, experts. So, it was, for example, in Berlusconi's government, you would have a foreign minister uh, as, a, as a diplomat. Uh, um, now, I wouldn't know if this will happen again, because clearly, you know, both Lega and Berlusconi's party, they know the game, they know the game, so they, they, they will know who... To a point, and I think they already have a general idea. But um, you know, at the risk of being optimistic, uh, it's not the hardest challenge. Is not to surround Meloni with capable people. That Italy has plenty of. Uh, the The biggest challenge will be what kind of mood and message the election of 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 what is effectively a a right wing, not a center right. But a right-wing government will mean both for Italy and for Europe.
0: That would be my very last short question: What it would mean for Europe? Are we, for you, are, should we expect something of a kind? Orbán, Kaczyński government, eurosceptic, but yes. at the very heart of the of the eurozone and and you know founding member of the EU. Yeah, is it this level, yeah. or you expect more pragmatism?
1: Well, look, this is a little bit... Uh, the, the jury is still out on this one because um, yeah. because it is untested. Uh, Meloni and, and the party, and even Salvini, they have not given any sign to relent from their Eurosceptic rhetoric. Uh, um, they are quite, in fact, unapologetic about it. Um, and, of course, you know, there is always i mean it, uh, europe is and the european union is 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 the system of suboptimal so there will always be ways to to fix uh, a damage and to not to make it as bad or as apparent as it would be in orban's case but I will have to be very frank with you and say the extent to which they will push this uh, is a little bit uh, out there for me. It's difficult to see. And um, and it is perhaps the one area where I'm more concerned, not in any specific measures that they will take, but in the kind of consensus within the country that their victory will create.
0: Fabrizio Tasnari, thank you so much for your insightful comments. And let's hope... For the best for Italy and, and to you in these upcoming elections. And hope that Indeed. your optimist prevails. The optimistic Indeed. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank so you so much, Thank you. This was a Liberal Europe podcast. Please tune in for uh, Ricardo Silvestre uh, next week. Until two weeks with me. Thank you. Goodbye. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. And if you like what we are doing and want to help spreading the liberal values, please give us a five-star review and share with your friends.